0: You're listening to the Charity Champions podcast. Each year, TFNB Your Bank for Life chooses six nonprofits from around Central Texas to recognize as Charity Champions. Tonight's Charity Champion is. Champions enjoy live on-field presentations at Baylor University home football and basketball games, online broadcast, and print marketing exposure, and world-class leadership development through 360 Solutions, all at no cost to the nonprofit. In this podcast, we want to get to know our charity champions a little better. We're bringing those who help and those who have been helped into the studio to hear the stories behind the champions. On this episode,
1: Shepherd's Heart. Our poverty rate is twice the national average. The national average is about 15%. Ours is 30.
0: Shepherd's Heart started as a food pantry helping food insecure families in Waco. Now they're feeding more than 29,000 families each year. Shepherd's Heart also operates a resale shop and teaches life skill classes to try and break the cycles of poverty in the community. Executive Director and founder Bob Gager brought in two members of his team, Taro Johnson and Kerry Greenlee, to talk about how their organization helps the community.
2: A lot of them have low self-esteem for being there. They're standing in line asking for help and to be able to help them and to interact with them and not to make them feel so less than because they can't get by is a great thing for me. And
3: now let's get to know our champion. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for coming into the studio. I'm going to have you all kind of introduce yourself real quick. Tell us a little bit about who you are and, and Shepherd's Heart and what you do and, and maybe some of the friends that you brought with you today.
1: I'm Robert Gager. I'm the executive director of the Shepherd's Heart and founder. We started out as a food pantry, grew really fast, and to put that in perspective, last year we fed over 29,000 families over 2 million pounds of food. In that process, we deliver groceries to 540 seniors currently. We do that twice a month. Not meals, groceries. Wow. And we also branched off into things like having a resale store. It's called Things from the Heart. It's located in the Fairgate Shopping Center. Uh, We started out with just a little store across the street from our pantry. And we grew into a 9,500-square-foot store in the Fairgate Shopping Center now. We also... Got involved with uh, Waco ISD and some of the things that they had with their homeless kids, and what we did is we provide Christmas to the homeless kids. We've been doing that for about six years now, and that's a major event. We rent fifteen thousand square feet at the convention center and throw these kids a party. We feed them and have a bunch of games for them to play, and then provide Christmas to them
3: on a annual basis. You know, you kind of gave some of the statistics, but what is the need in the McLennan County area based on the number of people you serve? The The thing with our community is unique is our poverty rate is twice the national average. Hold on a second. Waco's poverty rate is twice the national average? The
1: national average is about 15%.
3: Ours is 30 My goodness.
1: And what that means is in the greater Waco area, there's over 40,000 people at risk of hunger missing meals not knowing where their next meal is going to come from Uh, within that group we've got a lot of people that are seniors and a lot of people that are children so it's kind of like a conduit we see both ends of the spectrum that we're trying to try to address and
3: it it gets to be challenging but there's a lot of needs in our community i wouldn't have guessed that i I know that like all cities we have some areas that are underprivileged versus others but to know that it's double the national average surprises me a little bit Mm -hmm. frankly
1: I don't have a reason why that is. I just know that it is that way. It's been that way for quite some time, and we're just continually trying to deal with it. Uh, one of the things that we're trying to do besides just feeding people is recently we've created an empowerment center at our pantry. We, we expanded in the shopping center where we are so that we can start dealing with the poverty mindset, so we can start teaching people, just kind of chipping away at what, the way they're thinking
3: Kind of like what you do, Chip. No pun intended, but (laughs) chipping away (laughs) means uh, if you need my help, I'll come over and help chip away at at the mindset. (laughs)
1: Uh, I didn't mean that as a pun, but it worked out. But really, I I have no skill like you do, but we get different uh, instructors in to teach different classes, and we're just going to keep working on it. We just started this last year, and so we're just working on it.
3: That's wonderful.
1: Introduce your friends you brought with you. I want to introduce first Taro Johnson. Taro is somebody that's just absolutely awesome. When we started the pantry, we we do this all with volunteers, have done it with volunteers. We reached a point one day where we just didn't have enough volunteers to open up the pantry. So I went outside and I said, folks, I need some help. We can't give you the food today until we get enough people to hand out the food. The reason we did that is because our pantry set up like a grocery store for the people to come in and shop. We did that on purpose so that they could shop with dignity and make their choices on what food they want. Terrell came in that day and he got hooked on it and never left. <laughs>
3: you got hooked on eating groceries? I, uh, I got that same addiction. <laughs> I'll got the st- I'll tell you the story. Don't worry about
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what happened is I'm a single parent trying to make ends meet. We heard about the food pantries. And uh, so I decided to go there. I, I work for Sears and I, I run the warehouse. So I'm able to make my schedule. I'm able to go there and sit there and be in line about 2 in the afternoon. So, what happened one day, like he said, he was uh, asking for volunteers to go inside and help. So, well, let's go inside and help. Maybe, we, maybe we'll get some some prime choices. You know what I'm saying? So, we go inside early and go and help him do the deal. I saw there was a guy outside doing the drive through by himself. And I said, well, let me go help that guy. You know what I'm saying? And I'm kind of logistic minded. So I decided to help them and we got organized and we passed out the food and we did it, did that. And there was that was the trap. And <laughs> I enjoyed doing that. And I've been doing it ever since. You know what I'm saying? And it's been at least six years. Really? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh I love it. You know, I love I love interacting with the people. And like we talk about dignity. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have low self esteem for being there. You know, standing in line asking for help, not being able to support yourself is not a real good feeling. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And to be able to help them and to interact with them and not to make them feel so less than because they can't get by. Is a great thing for me, you know what I'm saying? And I'm a people person, and I really like doing it, you know what I'm saying? And, and I've done several things with the pantry. I also help pick up food also, you know what I'm saying? We, we we pick up from different volunteers from different organizations, and I do a couple at the mall and pick up their food and bring it to the pantry three times a week, you know what I'm saying? And we just we have a good time with it. We have a great time interacting with the people.
3: So when you say logistics and you say picking up food, help me understand how, who donates food or do you buy food and bring it in or how, how does that work? I'll answer the first part. Most of our food we purchase from the food bank in
1: uh, Austin, the Central Texas Food Bank. Okay. Probably about 65% of our food we purchase. The other 35% comes from donations. We have people picking up food every day in this city uh, from uh, H-E-B, Walmart, Target, Aldi's. uh, And we have several other places like Pizza Hut. Taro picks up at Auntie Anne's, Anne's, Chick-fil-A now in the mall. It just keeps going on. Magnolias, we pick up there once a week. We've got a lot of different places where food comes in. In fact, many times food will come from drivers that have a load turned down of produce many times. They call us and say, can you take
3: this? So that's what happens. We, We get food from a lot of different sources. And then, so the logistics side of it is you get a lot, you buy some, get some donated, and then... How do you coordinate picking all of it up? It's crazy. Oh, I can't imagine. I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting here I'm, thinking, I hate going to the grocery store just for myself. I can't imagine. We, we have several volunteers. Some of it's picked up in
1: cars. Mm-hmm. Taro picks it up in his car. We have two trucks to pick it up. And we're, we're all over the city picking stuff up seven days a week. If somebody calls us and says they've got something, we, we try to be as quick to respond to it as we can simply because we need that food. Oh, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So maybe I missed it, but how did Shepherd's Heart start? It started when, many years ago, the church that I was going to, we had the pantry, and it was called Shepherd's Heart. And the church moved, they downsized, moved to a smaller building, did not have room for a pantry. I was not the person in charge of the pantry. I was just kind of like the spiritual leader of the group. I'm single, so they started meeting at my house every Friday night. (laughs) Bob, what are we going to do about this? And we talked for several months about, what we could do and uh, some possibilities. Uh, I started doing some research uh, in the Waco area and then realized how big the hunger problem was and started looking at, if we were gonna start a pantry, where would it best fit? And North Waco seemed to be the area where we would do that. And we just started making steps toward developing an organization. The church did not have the Shepherd's Heart name registered, so I registered it, we own it now. We just started taking steps to create the pantry. We felt like God put us in the building that we're in. I tried to get away from that building. I could not find another building in the area in North Waco that would suit our purposes. And I just kept coming back to that place. And so there we are. And when we started, quite frankly, it was we were just way too small to be in such a big space. Mm-hmm. Now we're way too big to be in such a small space. Sounds yeah. like God's providing there, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, who else is your guest today? This is Carrie Greenlee. She's our
3: operations manager. All right, Hi. welcome. So so you're the real brains behind the operation, is she what he, is. No, I is just follow saying. the leader. <laughs> you follow the leader. Yeah. Well, how long have you been involved?
4: So I've actually worked for Shepherd's Heart since February of last year. And before that, um, I have a similar story. I'm a single parent of three, and um, I lost my job at the end of 2015. So I was unemployed all of 2016. Impossible to find a job. As we know the poverty rate but also the living wage is really really low here so it's kind of hard to find a job but i started coming to the pantry um like taro to get food to you know help supplement for my kids started volunteering in june of 2016 and then by february of 2017 i started as the office manager
3: wonderful Mm -hmm. that's great well tara talked a little bit about how it's a little bit of courage that you got to muster up to go there probably for the first time I'd imagine but then oh, yeah. week after week when you're feeling the weight of not having a job and the stress that goes with not having a job and all of that and at the same time you know, kind of having to humble yourself and ask for help, I, I can only imagine how hard that is.
4: It's very difficult. We And we see people every week, you know, they may have had a $200,000 a year job, but something happened and they don't have that job anymore and they can't provide for their family. So it's a humbling experience, but oh, yeah. I mean, it's a godsend. So I don't know how we would have done it without and again you know you you come in you get the help but you want to give back as well and so you become hooked as a volunteer
3: yeah (laughs) or are there any stories that you can think of recently or over the years that it's been open where it's one of those that people come in and you just can't imagine what they're going through and you do everything that you can to help is there Anything that stands out.
1: There's there's so many stories that we do have, and, and it was incredible the last couple of weeks. I just don't know. It's not typical what has happened in the last couple of weeks, but people just been coming up to me and telling me we really appreciate what you do. Uh, one of the things that we do with our volunteers is, I'm not a pastor. But I'm a Christian, and I try and teach our volunteers who are not maybe all Christians how to let the love of God flow through them to touch those people, because I make them understand that each one of us is there for a purpose. It's not just by accident that we're there. And there's somebody that they're going to be able to touch that I can't, or somebody else. They're going to be able to do something that's very unique and meaningful. I've had a lot of people come to me in the past couple weeks and tell me just how special that has been for them. And I know that that stuff happens, but Having people come back and tell me that is very meaningful because some of these people are elderly. They, we have people that are living on maybe 650 to $700 a month income. By the time they pay their rent and utilities, they've got to figure out how to buy medicine and food. And so we help with that. We're but- talking... Basic survival. Basic survival. And so we've got a lot of people that are just grateful to be able to come to that pantry and get what they can get.
2: I know one thing that impressed me when I first started coming was that we are coming for food, right? And I saw some step to the side and start praying with them. Yeah. I said, I thought we were here for food. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's, part of the, that's part of the mandate that Bob puts up. But if, if they want prayer, mm-hmm. stop what you're doing. Take them to the side, hold their hand, and pray with them. That's right. You know what I'm saying? And we do that on a regular basis. And mm-hmm. it, it just touches my heart when we can do that for them because they're not here for more than food. You know, yeah. food is just a... The physical, mm-hmm. there's the emotional, spiritual needs also, and we try to address those also. And that touched me when I saw that also.
3: I can imagine, and, I, and I'm sitting here continually looking in the mirror at myself, and I feel worse and worse as we sit here, not because of anything, that, the great work that y'all are doing is that how much I take basic essential food for granted. And there's people out there that don't take it for granted. They uh, yeah. they ration probably what you give them every, every week because... They don't know where it's coming from next.
4: You you never know. And and we all take it for granted until we're in that position. And, you know, I know that that Taro and I never expected to be in the position we were in to have to do that. Yeah, it's heart-wrenching and and gut-wrenching to think and to see, you know, the poverty that comes through.
3: How do we fix it? How do we fix this problem? Boy, I just think it's complicated.
1: Let me give just kind of... Give you a little bit of my background i grew up in poverty i'm originally from chicago it was tough really really tough i know what it's like to go to school every day for years without breakfast and lunch i know what it's like to be a kid about eight years old nine years old whatever it was i learned how to go to the grocery store and steal food to feed my siblings I, i just got something in me at an early age that says when I grow up, I'm going to become blah, blah, blah. My family just kind of laughed at me and put me down for that kind of talking. But one of the things that they did was pushed me, and I look back on it now. Uh, after 73 years, I know that that was God's plan, right? But at that time, I did not know that. It pushed me into the library. That became my safe haven. I read books about people who overcame and overcame and overcame. And so I felt like, okay, I'm going to become one of those kind of guys. And I did. I was the first one in my family to graduate from high school and get a college education and become successful in business. When I was a young man, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder, and I just told my brothers and sisters, follow me. I didn't probably do that as nicely as I could have, <laughs> but it was one of those things that once God got a hold of me, we, we changed some things. Getting people to change their paradigm, that's what we've got to do. If we can just change their paradigm just 1%, We can change their family for generations. So that's why we have the Empowerment Center. So we can deal with what are you thinking about and why. Because a lot of the people that we're dealing with are not planners. They just are reactionaries. They react to to the circumstances in front of them Continually, it's their lifestyle. If we can change that, we can get them to start seeing how can I better myself. It's not about how can the government take better care of me. How can I better myself is the direction
3: we got to go.
0: So it's the old parable of teaching a man to fish over giving him a fish,
3: right? Yes. Which brings up a a question: if if I don't bring it up, I guarantee you, people that are listening, this might be thinking that is is how do you decipher from y'all's end. The people that are there that have a true need and the people that are there that are taking the money they do have and spending it on stuff that they shouldn't be and they're coming to you to get food just because they don't want to spend their money on food. we got a great answer for that. We teach the people, do not judge them. God is our provider. He
1: provides the food. He's their provider as well. And if they're they're there with the wrong
3: intention, God will touch their heart simply because we pray over everything we do. And so if they keep coming back, at least give you the opportunity to continually interact with them and work with them. And hopefully that's right. You know, their intentions, if they were wrong when they first came, you can help change their heart.
1: And we've seen those changes. Yeah. Kill them with kindness. kindness. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) And I can see that all three of you, I mean, when you walked in, you said that, you know, both Taro and Carrie had both had that firsthand experiences of needing the shepherd's heart, but hearing your story of your childhood, so all of you guys have felt the need of that hunger in your stomach or that anxiety of where's the next food coming from? I guess you're able to impart that to people and they can see that it's a genuine thing you guys
3: are doing. They feel it. I think they feel it. Yeah. yeah. You guys agree with that? Oh, yeah. I understand the donations of the food and how you get the food, but how do you pay the bills? How, how do you pay staff? How do you pay rent? How do you pay all the, all the stuff that it takes to run Shepherd's Heart? I'll go back to what I said, God is our provider. We don't operate off of any
1: federal or state or local grants. We have community donations. We've got about 14 or 15 churches that help uh, fund us on a regular monthly basis, uh, plus a a bunch of contributors. It's not that we have a bunch of people with deep pockets that are providing for this. It's a lot of people that are middle income folks that are just helping to support this because they realize the need. Actually, 45% of the people that come to our pantry have jobs. They're just low earners and they have families. And by the time they, if you have a wife and uh, kids and you've got a low income job, both of you need to
3: work. And even if at that, that may not be sufficient to meet all of the needs. I work with another non-profit, a global nonprofit that says people that aren't unemployed still can be underemployed. And so being underemployed means I'm, I have a job, but I can't cover the basic necessities that it takes That's to right. provide for my family. So, yeah, just being unemployed shouldn't be the only criteria. Underemployment is also a, a problem.
4: Which goes back to the living wage. We were talking about there isn't a living wage here. It's minimum wage or it's about it. There really isn't a middle ground to sustain the cost of living. And as that increases with all of the businesses that are here, which is great, great growth, but there isn't a compensation for that.
3: So do you think to change the poverty rate from 30% and lower that to get, even in line with the national average, do you think it starts with better jobs, better paying job, more jobs? What, what, what do you think would turn that? A couple of things.
1: One, many of the people that uh, come to the pantry that have low paying jobs, it's because they're making 20 or 25 hours a week. Get back to 40 hours a week. We've, we've cut, a lot of companies have cut their work cycle to less hours so that they're not required to pay them benefits. That's
3: one thing. So it's yep. a strategy by the employers to not pay benefits by having two part-time people instead of one-time full-time.
1: Yes, and the other thing is, is to like Carrie said, we need higher-paying jobs. Now, I know that here in the community, we're working toward that to bring in more companies that will pay better wages, and we've got several companies that are paying really good wages. But it just takes a lot more to put that together. Uh, There's other issues besides just wages. I mean, there's transportation system that we need to deal with, and there's a lot of people that are just trapped in in their situations. Some of the people that we see. With our Christmas program that we do, it's kind of sad to see some of these girls that are 16, 17 years old bring their babies to the Christmas party. Mm -hmm. That's heartbreaking. They're already digging a hole for themselves that it's going to be difficult for them to get out of. We see these young people that have babies. They need uh, child care in order for them to go to work. And that's difficult for for them. It's not just a food thing. A food is a necessity. It's a basic necessity. But we've got all of these different things that we're addressing, trying to address, to make it possible for them to get out of poverty. That's why I say the first thing that we can do and the, the, it's kind of a, like the only tangible thing that we can do is change their mindset, change their paradigm. If we can get them to see something different, something better, we can get them on a track of doing something different than what they've done because if they stay on that track, they're going to keep doing what they've been doing.
0: Oh, absolutely. How do you help the people that are just... So exhausted because they're maybe working two jobs, have three kids, and they're just reacting to, you know, I
1: need food. I need to
0: go to the pantry today. How do just you
1: love, them? On them. just yeah. love on them. Just love on them. That's, that's what you do. You encourage them and just love on them. We're not going to judge these folks. We're just going to love on them. And that really kind of helps them because they know it's difficult, but there's someplace where they can go find some support.
0: So can you kind of walk me through when you were at the Christmas party and you were seeing these, these people, uh, these young girls bringing their kids to the Christmas party?
1: There'll be a 1,000 to 1,500 people at this party. It's a big deal. The children are invited. Let me walk through the process. Mm-hmm. We send an invitation, a, a numbered invitation to Waco ISD. They send those invitations out to the schools specifically to the children who qualify, according to the McKinney-Vento Act, as being homeless. And then they contact us. We have a number that they contact us on, a toll-free number. Once they contact us, then we know who the children are, what their ages are, if they have siblings. We provide for the whole family, that kind of thing. We collect gifts all over the city uh, and do fundraising on this. Then we, we have people that collect all these toys sort them all out and so we can select them if you will we put them in groups of boys girls by age and things like that and we start filling bags with toys for these kids and, and we're talking about a giant plastic bag full of toys so. mm-hmm.
3: that's wonderful
4: I think it's important to note though that there when we're talking about the poverty there are over 1,300 registered homeless children in Waco ISD
3: Okay, so you, you mentioned a second ago some act or uh, what qualifies someone as homeless. What does that mean? Because 1,300 Mc- is a, a crazy number in my mind.
4: Astronomical. Yeah.
1: Yeah, McKinney-Vento. It's, it's just okay. the name of a, an act, a federal act that declares these are the criteria for children to be identified as homeless.
0: So, like, mm-hmm. being homeless could also be different than what we traditionally think. Like, it could be they lost their house, so now they're living with a relative.
1: Correct. So, like or they could be living in a motel, okay. things like that. We, we have some of those. Or on the street. Most of them are couch surfers. They're children that uh, they don't know where daddy is. Uh, Mama disappeared. Uh, they were living with grandma. Grandma got sick and had to go to the hospital. Now they get moved to somebody else. They've got kids and they don't have room for them, so they have to go someplace else, and
3: it just keeps going on. And are these bad kids? No. No, these aren't bad kids. These are great kids. I know. And I, I, I set you up with that one because it's, <laughs> it's true. There was a global study done. It was just fascinating to me. All these Ivy League schools, Harvard, Yale, you know, Columbia, we can go on and on. Even Baylor University will offer scholarships for the brightest of the bright kids all over the U.S. free of charge, come to college paid for by us. Do you know what the average enrollment is free of charge in these universities if they give 20, thirty 40 scholarships away a year. Do you know how many are actually taken advantage of? Very few. Wow. And the reason they started studying and people would guess all the different reasons why, you know, the brightest of the bright wouldn't come and take advantage of a free college education. Everybody guessed and guessed and guessed and they all guessed wrong. What they found, the research was, is that by the time they're in seventh or eighth grade, these really bright kids with a lot of potential, their family life is so dysfunctional that they drop the studying and they get second jobs. They, they take care of kids because dad or mom are missing or both. And they, they have these really, really bright kids that if in a stable home environment could at least graduate from high school could go to Yale or Harvard or Baylor or anything free of charge. But it starts in sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. They get derailed because of their home life. Imagine, it is, it's hard for me to think about this, but if I'm hungry, I can't study, I can't focus on good grades if I haven't eaten in all day because I go to the cupboard and there's nothing there. I mean, it's just incomprehensible to me. And I, I think I live in a world where I think food's plentiful for everybody. I need to come spend some time with y'all.
1: Chip, let me just say something about what you just said there about the children not studying because of lack of food. One of the things that we see with people in our line, because they didn't have the right feeding, the right nutrition when they were young, by the time they get in their teens, they're not developing properly. And by the time they get in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, They've got all kinds of disabilities and health problems, and they
3: can't get a job, and that's why they're in our line. Don't you believe that it's a God-given right for people to be able to eat food? Absolutely. I mean, is that not one of the most basic necessities in life? I mean, that's an understatement. It is a necessity in life. It is probably one of the roots of everything.
0: It, It sounds like your empowerment center is really going to help people try and break these cycles because they're in a cycle because their parents were disadvantaged and their parents were disadvantaged. And if you can just help one family, you know, get someone into a better job or into a better education to get a better job, they can break that for their children and their children. Is that correct? It
1: becomes a generational change. Yes.
0: So your goal would probably be to put yourself out of business, right? yes you would love for everyone to have enough food <laughs> and be well well off enough to just
3: not need you guys right
1: that'd be the, the ideal situation <laughs> that really would
3: unfortunately it's probably not going to happen in our lifetime and so we've got to continue to fight the good fight and do what we can to make some changes yes well what's the future look like for y'all i mean of course we want to solve the problem but it, assuming that it doesn't happen in our lifetime how what what does the future look like for for your organization
1: I think that what we want to do in order to be more developmental than just food, my heart is to get into a bigger building. Uh, I've got a couple of options. One would be in the shopping center that we're in acquire that entire shopping center and convert some of those spaces into educational rooms, uh, educational centers, as well as put, I would like to have one area that would just be for doctors that we could get a rotation of dentists and doctors and uh, come in on a rotational basis for a day or two days and just treat people for a number of different reasons. There's a lot of people within that area that could be walk-ins, for something like that. They can't get to some of the other places. One of the things that I've got some information on is that the Family Health Center, I think was in the last... October something in the numbers they had over 4,000 people in, in one month that didn't show up for their appointment well maybe mm. it's the transportation is the issue okay if we had something like that that might resolve some of the health situations that we're dealing with with the folks I'd just like to see an, an ongoing growth of opportunities for us to develop that community develop their mind as, as well as change that community Make, make some improvements to that community. One of the things that we have in our uh, clientele is guys that have uh, felonies in the background. Mm-hmm. It's hard yeah. for them to get a job. And what I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, so I, I teach them how to be entrepreneurs when I get the opportunity. One of the greatest things that we could do is to teach these guys how to just go around the, the neighborhood, fix up some houses, and then use that as an example. I can come and do work for you if you'll let me and get them in business. And so that's part of my dream that I'd like to convert that community from houses that are kind of run down to fix them up and make it look good
3: and make a difference, really make a difference. To do that, you have some needs. I mean, if there was some immediate needs, what would those be?
1: Immediate needs. We're still looking to change the lighting in our pantry. We've got quite a few lights that are out. And it's going to take some work to do that. And I've had a couple of people that uh, can put LED lighting in there. And I'm just working through getting that changed hopefully soon. One of the trucks that we use for our deliveries, the lift gates broke on it. And we really need to replace a lift gate on that. Uh, that's probably about a six, seven, dollars $8,000 deal to mm. replace that lift gate. And that's a, a busy, busy truck. We have a truck that we lease from Penske. It's a 26-foot bobtail truck and our lease will expire sometime in february toward the end of february i'm waiting for them to tell me what the final value of that's going to be because uh, i think it's going to be somewhere in the thirty thousand twenty five to thirty thousand dollar range and if we bought that truck i could save ten thousand dollars a year on leasing and i'm and what i'm saying is is at least ten thousand dollars in the cost of that truck there's still some cost in the maintenance of it but I could save some money back on that, and it would reduce our operating expenses. There's things that we can do to continue progressing past those immediate needs. If we could change some of the shelving that's in the pantry, it could improve the environment and make it more efficient for us to reload the pantry. I mentioned we move about 2 million pounds of food through there a year. See, there's only one door in and one door out. It all comes in the front door and all goes out. That front door. So we've got to manhandle that 2 million pounds of food all the time, week after week. We're, we're dealing with it. There, if, I, if we were to acquire that shopping center, I'd build a warehouse on the back of it mm. and, and be able to
3: make things more efficient for us. How about volunteers? If, if someone's listening to this and they say, I want to get involved somehow, but I don't have deep pockets. I can't buy a truck for you, but I can definitely come and help. What, what would I do if I showed up and said, I'm here to help? We're
1: there five days of the week. In the morning, we're there about 8 o'clock, and we work until about noon, 1 o'clock every day. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're restocking the pantry. Thursday, we're finishing it up and getting ready for our distribution. We distribute food from noon to 6 every Thursday. And then Friday, we come in and get things cleaned up from thursday night
3: and get ready to reload it for monday and <laughs> it just goes on and on so, so they
1: can come anytime, anytime they want they
3: want a pair of hands and a willingness to work and absolutely you'll find a job for them yeah and w- there's so many different
1: things that we do uh for some of the things that we do it's not always just canned goods going on the shelf there are things that we pick up that have to be repackaged and it's just a matter of repackaging some bread or pastries and things like that. And it's a lot of different things that we do.
4: I think also we have a resale shop. And one way we need volunteers and donations at our resale shop. Because what we didn't mention is that we give about, what, about $10,000 a year away in items hmm. for people that are homeless, people that are coming out of you know, rehab or an abusive environment or children that are in Waco S D. So we give away those items and help them as much as possible, not just with their monetary needs, but their other basic needs, so household it, or clothing or whatever. Yeah,
3: what's so. in your retail shop? Where Where is it? But what are the kind of things that you need if people want to bring stuff and, and help out?
4: So we're at the corner of Boskey and New Road in Fairgate Shopping Center. The address is 4014 Boskey Boulevard. It's behind Bush's Chicken next to Dollar General.
3: And what's the name of it? Things from the Heart. Things from the Heart. I've okay. seen that place, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
4: So we take clothing, we take furniture, household items. Um, we'll take food there and take it to the pantry. Um, sheets, bedding, anything like that. We have a lot of people that come in for blankets that are living on the street that just need extra you know, extra warmth sometimes. So we take just about anything, um, and we always find a good home for it. So.
0: So there's a lot of people that are doing the kind of – the goodwill thing at the beginning of the year to get rid of that stuff they've had for the year this would be even a better place to take it because you're not reselling it you're just giving it to these people is uh, that right
1: we do re, we do resell it and the whole point to the store is one to minister to people who have those needs and the other is to create an income for the pantry to okay. pay our bills at the pantry so it's
4: twofold so we give away a tremendous amount okay but we also resell like you said to help fund the the pantry it's
1: just an effort for us to be instead of always asking for money uh, we grow that store become self-sustaining yeah absolutely
4: and so we always take donations you know, as far as the, the um, items that we need in order to sell or give away. But we also, um, you know, request for volunteers. We're a very small staff. And so we definitely need the volunteers. And, you know, shopping there helps because you're putting back into the pantry. For every $5, it buys 40, do- 40 pounds of food. So if Wait a minute, hold on. For
3: every $5, it buys 40 pounds of food? It'll provide 40 pounds of food. Okay, wow. Not really buy it. Sorry, yeah. provide. Yeah. Yeah. Provide it, yeah. That's, that's a good return. That's
0: Excellent. So great. people may not know about that because it's kind of back there, but if they're looking to give away stuff that they would normally give to Goodwill or some other places, it's yes. you know, a really good place to go.
4: Yes, we would welcome it.
0: Yeah.
3: Excellent. We Absolutely. run a tight ship. <laughs> <laughs> so if I want to get in touch with you, uh, what, do you have a website, phone numbers, emails? Is it what, What's the best way to find you?
1: Probably the easiest way to get in touch with us is email, uh, just because we're, we're pretty busy because we are a small staff. The email address is shepherds.heart at yahoo.com. Our website address is shepherdsheartpantry.org. And you can go to the website and you can see a lot of the information. In fact, there's videos on the website about the pantry, about the toy uh, Christmas toy party, uh, and a lot of information about the stores and things that we do. And we continue to grow that information on the website. And um, if you call us, the easy number to call is 254-722-9517. And that's not my number, that's a number for getting in touch with us. We've got somebody that answers that phone seven days a week that moves that information to us.
3: That's wonderful. Do you know what your Facebook uh, account is? Or if we just... Shepherd's, heart, and just it Shepherd's heart. It'll be right there. It'll be right there. And Things awesome. from the Heart
4: has one also. Oh,
3: th- oh so you have two? Oh, that's yeah. great. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I'm really interested on the life skills portion and the teaching side of what you're doing because I do think that is critical. If you're, mm-hmm. you're going to change someone's quality of life it starts internally their their mindset needs to shift a little bit their self-esteem needs to it starts there if i feel better about myself then i get up i look for a job i try and change my situation and it it steamrolls and it turns into a much better situation and so i I really do think that's a big component of it and i'd love to help with that you know
4: after leaving your class yesterday um on trust that is a great thing because there is such a lack of trust that that these people that come in, and me personally, when I came in, that we have for society, for government, for um, you know those around us, for families that's you know betrayed us or put us in this situation or left us or whatever the case may be, trust is a huge lack. Oh yeah. And building that trust and teaching them how to trust again is. I think that would be really great.
3: Well, as we, as you went through yesterday's session, do you see not only from your own organization's standpoint and yourself, but the people you work with on a regular basis, how lack of trust affects every decision they make? You know, if you're always worried, you know, if you're always under stress, it's going to shut down that oxytocin release and you don't trust anybody because of stress, not because you shouldn't trust, but you just can't.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really correct. (laughs) One of the things that I see is I'm, I'm one of these carpe diem kinds. Let's seize the opportunity. These people are coming to us because we've gained their trust. They trust coming to us. They're comfortable coming to us.
3: And so now let's give them an opportunity to grow them. Well, out of the session yesterday, I appreciate you all coming to it, and hopefully you come to all of them because we, we really enjoy doing it. We've done it for a number of years, and we're going to continue to do it because – you know, our slogan with Charity Champions is we want to help those that help others. We can't, Randy and I and Dale and others that are, and TF&B, all of us, we can't get out and do what you do, you know, because we have so many that we're trying to serve just like you do. So our, our mission is to help those that help others. And whatever we can do to help, we want to. And I know lots of people that listen to this podcast want to help as well. And, so,
1: and if we have anybody that listens to this that says, I can teach this geez, please get in touch with us because anybody that says that to me, I want to give them the opportunity to teach that. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast today, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to the Charity Champions podcast. If you're listening on iTunes or Apple podcasts, please take a moment and rate and review us. This helps our podcast reach more listeners. Have a charity you'd like to nominate for next season? Visit charitychampions.org slash nominate. You can also find more information on this podcast and all Charity Champions at charitychampions.org. And of course, tell all your friends. We'll see you next time.